minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Shabbat Shabbat Nekah Bila Ananayna Lecha Dodi Ananayna Lecha Kala Ananayna Pene Shabbat Shabbat Nekah Bila 
Yeah. 
over your soul, guiding every step along your way, may you hold deep in your heart, the Ahava Hashem gives you every day, may the light of Shemayim above reflect in your eyes,
J.M. in the A.M. That is the um, Asia's Heil done by Yehuda. A lot of Shabbos a cappella material this morning here at J.M. and A.M. and J.M. and A.M. and on the NSN app. Really uh, allowed the Shabbos a cappella collection to dominate over the last uh, 30 minutes or so. There we go. Uh, it's a Friday. It's uh it is quite a day. It is um, it is a um, three weeks Friday format Erev Shabbos here at JMNAM on this Friday morning, July the 29th, day 23 in the month of Tammuz, the year 5776. Tufshin Ayin Vav. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas with candle lighting time at 7.55 on this Erev Shabbos. 7.55. Excuse me. 7.55, candle lighting time in this era of Shabbos. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 7.55, official candle lighting time. We're going to bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av will be Friday. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av will be one week from today on Friday. That's when the nine days will begin. Again, Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av, one week from today. On uh, Friday, 73 degrees outside with 91.1% humidity. Winds are northeast at 13 miles per hour. And I don't know about you, but uh, <laughs> I got drenched this morning. <laughs> Absolutely drenched. Um, Lower Manhattan was a, I don't know, a hurricane, a flooding, call it whatever you want. But it was just impossible uh, at about 5 a.m. or so. So uh, hopefully the rain will subside. We'll have a nice Shabbos in this area and all areas. Um, morning rain at a high temperature of 85. Tonight partly cloudy, a low temperature 73. Tomorrow afternoon thunderstorms, a high temperature 85 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 86. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Masora enjoying 65 degrees with uh, a high of 82 later on. We're at 73 degrees here. On a um, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Oh, so I'll hear Parshas Pinchas. Oh, i got to tell that to Miriam L. Wallach. I'll hear, and she will hear Parshas Pinchas as well for the second week in a row. <laughs> uh, in Israel, they're still a Parsha off, or more accurately, outside of Israel, we are still a Parsha off. So for us, outside of Israel, it's Parshas Pinchas. I believe next week we finally catch up, right? I believe next week. We have a double Parsha, and Israel does not. I believe that's how it works. And we'll finally be all caught up, so to speak. So you have that. JM and the AM, uh, let's see, what did we do for you so far this morning? Acapella style? Um, you yeah, heard the Aishas Chayel by Yehuda. Aye Makom, that was eighth day. Sam Glazers, Yivarechcha, Shabbos and Gilo from Leif Tahar. Ofi Natsmim Komcha Menucha done by Kol Zimra Lachadodi from 613. Bitachon had Kiesh Mirash Shabbat and of course opened up the uh, broadcast with Regesh and Modaani as we say good morning here on a Friday. Well, an hour from now it'll be the return of the weekly update. Last Friday, of course, we were uh, concentrating on Yom CSY and concluding an amazing week in uh, Israel. And. Um, this morning here at JM in the AM, about an hour from now, 
Uh, we'll have Malcolm Holmline, return of the weekly update, and we will uh, analyze the events of the last couple of weeks. Lots to talk about. I have an unbelievable number of issues to raise with him. Hopefully we'll get to all of them, but I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, <laughs> and I will pep up before the uh, conversation. Don't worry. And uh, <laughs> uh, also keep in mind you can comment on anything we do here at JMDM by commenting on the app, the NSN app which I hope you have installed in your iPhone or Android. NSN app is an amazing way to be in touch with us and to comment on what's happening during this program. Uh, great day on our stream all day long at jmdm.org and on the NSN app. We'll outline that for you coming up and plenty more. Uh, don't forget to like our Facebook update page, simply entitled Nahum Siegel Network. Facebook update page is Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, make sure to be uh, on that feed or part of that. Make sure that's part of your feed so you get all the latest news from us regarding what's happening here. Maccabees are next. More coming up in a three weeks format Friday. This is JM in the AM.
Hashem, Hashem Malokeinu, Yishama Be'arei Yehuda. Uvechutzot, Yerushalayim, Uvechutzot, Yerushalayim. Mehera Hashem, Hashem Elokeinu, Yishama Be'arei Yehuda.
J.M. and A.M. at a minute before uh, 7 o'clock. Friday morning on the Zerub Shabbos Parsha's Pinchas outside of Israel. Candle lighting at 7.55 officially. Well, Bench Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av. Uh, Rosh Chodesh will be Friday, a one-day Rosh Chodesh, one week from today on Friday morning. Kol Ish with Mehera. You heard uh, 6.13 with Matovu, a.k.a. Pella had Mehera in there. The Y.U. Maccabees with Marabu. Part of our... Acapella three weeks presentation here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, org, and of course on the uh, NSN app. Well, speaking of the NSN app, the NSN app minutes ago made me feel very old. <laughs> a Mazel Tov going out to uh, Alyssa and Moshe Karish and Rabbi Chaim and Nami Silver upon the birth of a grandson. Yosef and Avigail Karish are parents of this brand new baby boy. And uh, to the Karish and Silver families. <laughs> We say Mazel I'm laughing because 
I assume it was Moshe who posted the next line, the newest member of the JM and the AM team. <laughs> and I do recall, in fact, that he was meaning, meaning the grandfather was a member of the one-time JM and the AM softball team. Unbelievable. It's America's... Oh, I did that already, right? Okay, news from Israel coming up. Gali Tzal in the background. We will, we will do our news from Israel coming up. 7.40 this morning, the weekly update. Malcolm Holine will join us. We will... Uh, kick off a conversation about this amazing world of ours make sure to be tuned in weekly update coming up 7:40 eastern time here at jam and the am galit sal israel army radio 2 p.m newscast for a friday is next boker to from jam the am galit sal hashashtayim kanoga klein im mashikore achshav הפרקליטות מבקשת בשעה זו את הארכת מעצרו של הרב אליעזר ברלנד עד תום ההליכים, לאחר שמוקדם יותר הוגש נגדו כתב אישום. מבית משפט השלום בירושלים, כתבנו מיכאל האוזר טוב. מכתב האישום עולה כי ברלנד ביצע את המעשים בקטינה בת 16 וחצי שמשפחתה השתייכה לקהילתו תוך שהוא מנצל את סמכותו ומעמדו בארבע נשים שונות שבאו לבקש את עזרתו נגע וניסה ליצור עם הנמגה מיני באחד המקרים כאשר חסידו שמע על מעשיו וביקש לעצור אותו שלח ברלנד שניים מתומכיו שהיכו את החסיד מואשם בתקיפה בנסיבות מחמירות, מעשים מגונים ומעשה מגונה תוך ניצול יחסי מרות הדיון בהארכת מעצרו עד תום ההליכים מתקיים כעת חבר הכנסת עופר שלח אומר כי על שר הפנים לדרוש מראש המועצה האזורית גליל תחתון, מוטי דותן, לחזור בו מדבריו כי ערבים אינם רצויים בבריכות שחייה בשטח המועצה. לשר הפנים והפריפריה הרי דרעי יש אחריות למיליוני אזרחים ערבים שבתחום אחריותו. הוא צריך לתבוע מראש המועצה האזורית גליל תחתון, שיחזור בו באופן מוחלט מהדברים הגזעניים שלו, ויודיע שכל מבני הציבור בתחום המועצה שלו פתוחים לכל אדם בלי הבדל של דת, גזע ומין. בריאיון לרדיו כל רגע אמר את מולדותן כי לערבים תרבות ניקיון אחרת, ולכן עליהם להישאר בבריכות שלהם, כלשונו. ילד בן שבע נפצע בינוני לאחר שרכב פגע בו בעת שרכב על אופניו בכפר ורדים. צוות של מגן דוד אדום פינה אותו לבית החולים בנהריה כשהוא סובל מחבלות בראש ובגפיים. נסיבות המקרה נבדקות. בתאונה במחלף מסובים נפגע גבר בן ארבעים אף הוא בעת שרכב על אופניים. הוא פונה לבית החולים שיבא בתל השומר. בתקרית ירי בסן דייגו שבקליפורניה נהרג שוטר אחד ואחר נפצע. כתבתנו קרן בן מרדכי. על פי הרשויות בסן דייגו בשעות הלילה המאוחרות שני שוטרים נורו, אחד מאמת מפצעה והשני נפצע קשה וכעת הוא מנותח. המשטרה עצרה אדם אחד החשוד כי היה מעורב באירוע ונמשכים החיפושים אחר מעורבים נוספים. לפי שעה לא ידועה סיבת הירי. התחזית מחר ובראשון יוסיף להיות חם, בשני עלייה נוספת בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך עמרי רחמימוב בצוות רון פיטרו ואלדר נוי. Shabbat Shalom 
Tisca, 
Friday morning broadcast on an Arab Shabbos Parshas Pinchas. It's your Achmiel Begun Miami Boys Choir, Mim Komcha, here at JM in the AM. 
Uh, Miriam L. Wallach is with us live via telephone. We have an opportunity after the uh, after the big trip to Israel and our arrival back here late Monday. We have an opportunity to thank everybody we need to thank and to uh, recap some of the stuff that we hope our listeners during their spare time, not now because now you're preoccupied, obviously, you're occupied by listening to JM and the AM, but we hope in your spare radio time you'll check out some of the archives, both the audio and video from some of the incredible moments of our journey to Israel. Miriam L. Wallach, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Malcolm. couple of pieces of good news. That we get to hear Pinchas again? Uh, you heard that? I said that earlier. Oh, no. I said on the air that I have to tell Miriam L. Wallach <laughs> that we're going to be hearing Pinchas for a second time. That's funny. That, there you go. Great, great minds. Great minds think alike, as they say. So I can, talk, I can knock that off my list. But before that, I had something else on my list. I believe it was about 11 minutes ago. <laughs> that my left ear finally popped. <laughs> hey, that's great. And for anybody who was tuned in this week, as I'm doing shows Tuesday through now, they have to understand I'm doing the show on one ear, and it's so difficult to do it, and it's such a celebration. <laughs> you know, regular people, non-radio people celebrate when their ears finally get back to normal, and this was just, I'm telling you, the whole studio broke out in applause. Malcolm, it's such a celebration that you were able to pinpoint the time to be 11 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm so happy. Classic Nahum Siegel comment. So happy about it, you can't imagine. I, I can imagine. I appreciate your happiness, and I'm sure all of our listenership is sharing in your joy. And figures, just at the end of the week, but I'm saying to myself, at least it's before the weekly updates, anything Malcolm says I'll be able to hear clearly. So Exactly, because otherwise that would be a very strange weekly update. That's for sure, if I only heard half of what he had to say. Exactly. All right, so we hear Pinchas for the second week in a row to explain it'll be next week, finally, when everyone gets caught up to Israel, and the double Parsha here and the single Parsha in Israel gets us caught up. But, hey, by the way, we could give a real preview. It's a long Parsha, folks. <laughs> it's a long one. <laughs> it certainly is. And, uh, unfortunately, no one here is going to have the opportunity to hear Professor Halevi. That's right. Exactly. Lean it the way he did. Pretty amazing. Yes. All right. Um, so here we are, and we have some reminders for people post the trip to Israel and before we get to the weekly update. Number one, um, the Nefesh Benefesh video, and everyone... You know what was funny, by the way? Another, another little bit of radio inside for everybody. Uh, we spoke with um, our whole team and um, and those that we invited to participate in a little bit of a post-mortem about the trip to Israel. Right. And Mark Zomik was on that call. And, um, <laughs> and I said, he said that the, the broadcast from the plane on Tuesday morning, the first half of Tuesday's show, sounded great. And I said, well, the problem was... That there was, you know, the, the problem was the background plane noise. He goes, no, the problem was you're on a plane. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious because we overcame that problem because of ZK and his expertise and actually set up a studio on the Nefesh Benefesh flight, which was pretty amazing. But before we talk about that and go through some of those thank yous, just remind everybody, if they go to where, the Nahum Siegel Network page, they can see the latest Nefesh Benefesh video? Uh, they can look on our Facebook page. I'm not sure we've yet uploaded it to our homepage. I'm not sure no, it's meant, either, I, but it is certainly on our Facebook page. Yeah, that's what I meant. on my Facebook page. Yeah, I meant the Facebook page, right. Oh, yes. So it's there, and it's sort of, what, a recap of just this specific trip? Correct. It is a three minutes, a little over three minutes plus of um, just a composite of footage from last week's arrival of those wonderful, wonderful, beautiful, beautiful and blessed Olim who um, made the flight last week, who we were privileged to accompany. And it really captured so many wonderful highlights of both the uh, departure from the plane, the arrival into the hangar, the excitement, etc. 
it was it was fantastic, and it reminded me. I I I watched it again this morning. Um, if you need a good cry and you don't know why, just watch that video. It's um, it's it's so heartwarming and it's so moving. But it just reminded me how many relationships Nahum we have built as a result of these professional relationships that no longer do we have just business associates, but we have people we consider friends and family, and we are now inviting each other to, to each other's smachot, and we are, we're in touch on a constant basis, and we enjoy being with these people wholeheartedly. So Nefesh Benefesh is, is a family. We're part of that family. We feel it. They feel it in terms of us, and I think that what was unique about this trip was that we had the opportunity to engage with a brand new organization that we had we had yet to really highlight on the air in terms of a full show and another institution that we have spoken about but have yet to highlight in a full show and now have met more people who are part of our extended family and i feel very lucky about that a hundred percent and a couple of notes on that first of all as you're saying this uh, and who doesn't want to be close to and enjoy the company of Racheli Frankel? Everybody does, right? Right. We sat down with her on Sunday last week for a show that was on here on Monday. Anybody who missed it, it's Monday's archive, and there's a whole bunch of links on our Facebook page to it. you got to just go and listen to that conversation and see the video. Oh, there's no About video. 8.30 in the morning. Right, no video, but, see the com- but hear the conversation. Um, it is unbelievable she sat down with us, and she basically recalled our entire conversation that she had with us at the Celebrate Israel Parade at the beginning of June. Now she, I, looked, she looked at us and said, wow, this is a different place from the last time I saw you. Right. I was like, And I'm saying to myself, you know, this woman speaks in a lot of places and is interviewed by a lot of people and, you know, meets a lot of people in general. You can imagine. We know what kind of star she is and, uh, and all that and how she's looked upon. And, uh, and yet <laughs> she was able to not just recall the conversation but details about what we had spoken about during that uh, encounter so i thought that was pretty cool yeah it was i i agree with you wholeheartedly it was it was it was incredible and also we were able to off the air share some um you know additional additional moments with her when i when i recapped Miriam Peretz's conversation right. or her speech i should say not conversation her address to the students to the campers, um, participants of Yomen CSY, when she and we we were able to capture her entire speech during that JM and the AM, which aired a week ago this morning. But um, but she she recounted, uh, she looked at all of those students, all of those kids, and said, "My kids, my sons." lost their lives so that you could live right. wherever you wanted to live. And when we told Racheli Frankel that off the air, that we, you know, the show was over, etc., we told her that even she was like, her, you know, she lost the wind. She, yeah. uh, the wind was you know, knocked out of her as well. And, and Yossi Baumel heard that. I'm like, how can you not hear Miriam Paris's words and not be stunned? It is a humbling moment. But even Racheli Frankel, who has gone through a tremendous tragedy was still blown away by that kind of statement it was it was it was incredible and by the way just uh, on another note of uh, of of tragic memory um i shared on my facebook page this morning akiva Naiman's post uh from yesterday when he visited Ozvagaon, which is of course um uh at this point i believe named for Ezra Schwartz and uh, anybody who wants to see what he had to say because he was he joined us he joined us during the Omen CSY program 
and we spoke about Ezra Schwartz, uh, you'll see that on my Facebook page. Yet another uh, interesting thing that uh, might bring tears to people's eyes. Mary Malwalek is here at JM in the AM, and um, weekly update comes up uh, 12 minutes from now with Malcolm Holmline. Um, the other thing, by the way, you know, we always we always emphasize this to you. Know, there's certain things we harp on, that, and it seems we can't get off topic when when we discuss it. And um, I think the people at Nefesh for Nefesh think that we make too big of a deal about this, but I can't emphasize enough the discomfort that you and I feel when we get off that plane, and we're and we're encouraged to get off the plane as soon as possible because we have a show to do. So, you know, everybody there, 1,500 people, are waving flags and have balloons and chauffeurs are blowing. And they're, and they're welcoming the incredible array of, uh, you know, getting ready to, to welcome all these old in. And we're among the first ones off the plane. It is the most – for those of you who think we're making too big of a deal on this, it is such an uncomfortable feeling. I think the word <laughs> you're looking for is humiliating. And I hate to tell you, after all these times, because this is like the fifth time we're doing it. Right. And after all these times, I think I finally found a comparison. It's a terrible, terrible comparison. Oh, good. Let's do this on the air then. Yes. <laughs> it's a terrible comparison. Okay. But, but you know, you know, when you're watching TV and <laughs> excuse me, he's all choked up. You know, when you're watching TV and they're arresting somebody and they're doing everything in their power to hide their face and to turn away. <laughs> I am, okay. I, am okay. I am telling you, okay. as I walk, okay. as I walk between all those people, the video cameras are on the crowd, the b- people coming off of the plane. I am hiding my face. No, and, it's not a perp walk. <laughs> turning away. I know, but don't you agree that you're sort of got that th- that feeling of discomfort? Okay, there's discomfort, <laughs> and then being a criminal. Right. Okay. I I mean, anyone listening to us right now? Okay. I just thought that was a. I listen. There, <laughs> how do you respond to oh, that? God. There's a there's a total humiliation when we get off the plane, and, and certainly this year when I really think I was the first person off the plane again, and I I'm pretty sure it was Matis because it's always Matis. Right. Matis who texts me and go, you were the first person off the plane. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Like, everybody just wants to see the real people, and you get there, and just being part of the celebration, you feel like you're. But wait a second, am I right? Or, I thought I thought this is where you were going with this. Am I right or wrong that when you got to the bottom of the stairs? <laughs> one of the government, one of the female government officials, welcomed you as if you were, in fact, the first official Ola from this flight, and you had to like squirm your way away. Right. I looked at her. I said, "You don't want me." <laughs> uh, it's terrible. We are actually well, making yeah, fun of Yeah, Kielu, she then looked at the person next to her and goes, "We don't have to take that one, do we?" We're actually um, making fun. Right. We're actually making fun of the fact that we are still in Galut. It's terrible, terrible, it is. terrible. And terrible. the truth of the matter is, is that. You, you assume that once you are exposed to something that is uncomfortable multiple times, you become desensitized to right. it. Well, in this case, it just reinforces... Yeah, it's the opposite. Correct. It's the opposite. It gets stronger. I wasn't at nearly as uncomfortable the first or second time. Not nearly. I don't think we realized just how bad it was. <laughs> that, could um, be, that could be. Also, right, that could be. Right. That's number one. And number two is that you and I have commented that... Um, Every time we leave Israel, it gets harder. But it was a joke. The first couple of times it was a joke. Now, the people who would see me, who knew me as we're getting into the airport terminal, like it was a joke to them, and it was a joke to us. But now, because it's happened so often, it's become less and less of a joke. And it's oh, like, yeah, it's not funny. It's I like, mean, I know funny. This is not funny. Right, anyway. And the, um, just being part of the celebration, like, again, we feel, we feel honored to be part of all these celebrations and these flights. And 
Lord knows, Rabbi Fast should not hear this interview and say, well, maybe they shouldn't come on the next one. Right. But, um, but, but, self call self, at the end of it, it's, it is, it brings us, it, it just pulls us harder. And every time we leave Israel, it gets harder. It's not easier to leave, even though we know, please God, we'll be back in a couple of months. I'm, as I said to you when we were driving to the airport, I know, please God, I'll be back for Sukkot. I'll be back in October. And yet, I'm miserable. And uh, I'm sure that I'll get comments about the hypocrisy and that... Oh, are you kidding? Yeah, I'm checking my inbox now, actually. We're going to get bombarded the way we always do. Right, and they're not wrong. Of course they're not wrong. Right, they're not wrong. I'm not sitting here and telling anybody that I deserve to be here. But it's it's a... um, But it's just... It's just a... It is a real bittersweet kind of opportunity. And... um, and I really, I honor everyone at Nefesh Benefesh. They're, they're incredible, and they're so happy. And I, I, I know I mention this every single time, but especially because of our flight back um, on LL and what was going on in Coach with all the youth groups that were making their way back to America. And so the tension level between the flight attendants and the, uh, the members, uh, the, those sitting in Coach was, let's just say that the tensions were high. It was not NCSY. Not so much. Um, but nevertheless, the flight attendants on the way to Ben Gurion, who are taking those olim, who are bringing those olim to Israel, could not bend over backwards more to do whatever they needed. They're thrilled. They get it, and I think that that's awesome. And hopefully, next year, when or the next time we're able to do this flight, I really want to, you know, contact El Al beforehand and have somebody, have a member of the the flight staff or the pilot, which I know we couldn't do last week because they hadn't been cleared, and I respect that. But I really want to get somebody on to talk about this. I mean, could you imagine interviewing a pilot who has brought, who has flown these flights and been able to bring all these Olim to, to Israel? It's just, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Every single cog in that process is huge. That would be a good idea, and we got to get that, uh, got to get that to work. And also... Now that we've experimented and done half of a radio show on a plane, which is still remarkable as I think about it, right. and was one of the certainly one of the interesting developments in my career that we were able to actually do a full show and and have it sound good and get together all the guests, etc., on a plane. Uh, my next goal is to do an entire show on one of those Nevis Nevish flights. Uh, one of my favorite questions. I got a couple of favorite questions on this trip. Number one, I told you this. Number one was at. Uh, JFK during the celebration, during the kickoff celebration or the send-off celebration for Nefesh Benefesh, when a gentleman walked up to me and said, "Are you in charge of the sandwiches?" <laughs> like, right? Okay, not not in charge of. The well, sandwiches. because we know that no matter where you are, you are in fact in charge of the sandwiches. Exactly, which is what my response from my <laughs> eldest daughter was, which was, "Ma, you are in charge of the sandwiches." Exactly. Exactly, but also what we were. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but when we were recording the first 90 minutes of that JMAM on the plane, how many people said to me, "Are you broadcasting?" Now? Right. Like, right. You can't funny. use your phones, folks. That was funny. Right. That was, no, not really. No, you can't. But in reality, we were. How do you like that? That's beautiful. I, by the way, I know we only have a few minutes left, but I, uh, we would be remiss without not only thanking a number of people and organizations who helped make the trip such a success, and I really believe this trip was a success, but also shout-outs to the other organizations that sponsored shows. I'm thrilled that we were able to do what we did with Rigavim. Josh Haston is a gem. Judy Grossman is wonderful. Ari Briggs, everyone who is part of that organization, what they are doing is mind-boggling. No question about it. And anybody, again, archive section gives everyone an opportunity to hear those shows and those interviews, and they are 
literally there to safeguard the land of Israel and to preserve its future, which is incredible from a million different standpoints, but one of them uh, from the legalities, from the legal standpoint, they do a great job at it. Right, and also obviously NCSY, David Cutler, um, Alan, Fre- Alan Fagan, everyone there, Rabbi Moshe Benevitz, that was, those were two phenomenal shows. How, how uncomfortable was I with the idea of doing a radio show, Thursday morning show, from the NCSY Kolel-based Medrash. And we get there, and everyone there was like, no big deal, it's fine. And you know, and I thought it was so unusual, but I, it ended up being great. Well, I've never been on my best behavior like that. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. So Schechter is giving sheer in the corner, and I'm producing a radio show like there's something seriously wrong here. But I was super well-behaved, which you can't tell, but I was super well-behaved. Well, it was the base measures, after all. Exactly. And the then, Torah. And then Yom NCSY the next day, and, of course, our friends in Makar Chaim, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a chance to get updates from Yossi Baumel regarding that progress in Israel, and, and Racheli Frankel, a big highlight. I'm trying to think. I don't want to insult anybody or forget anybody, but are there other highlights that we should point at? Rachili Frankel, obviously. Well, there's a there's a highlight for me that I would like to share, if that's fine. Yeah. We had a meeting on Sunday with Rab Daron Peretz from the Mizrahi organization, and while you were giving a little bit of your family background into your father's. Um, Contribution, I say that in, in quotation marks, as putting it lightly, to the, the the building of the state of Israel and and you know all of that. Rav Peretz shook, put out his hand to shake your hand, appreciating the fact that he was sitting with the son of Rabbi Zev Siegel, and to me that spoke volumes, especially at the. You know, at the end of your year of Avelis, you had finished Kaddish already, and the, the fact that you were representing your father at that moment, just, it, it was incredibly poignant. There were a lot of poignant moments on this trip, but you and your siblings are such incredible representations of your parents' legacy that I was, I was completely stunned, and so was he, and so were the other people in that meeting. They didn't realize who they were sitting with. They didn't realize your genes and who you had come from, and I thought that was masterful. Wow, I appreciate that very much. And when you mentioned the year being over, that's the year for my mother, which is coming to its conclusion as we speak, and uh, I appreciate you mentioning that. And that was, uh, I, I debated, frankly, as we sat in that meeting, you know, bringing bringing up the past, so to speak, when when he sort of questioned whether I was at all familiar with the Mizrahi movement, and I couldn't hold back. I couldn't hold back. I just no, and and I'm happy you didn't. But it's so funny because Jews in a room, like we tend to play Jewish geography. <laughs> oh, did you know my whatever? I know a guy named Joe who lives in Manhattan. Do you know him? But this wasn't that. This was my father was Zev Siegel. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very, so, very much. There, so there's that. So there was that, and I thought that that was a, an unbelievable way to end what was already an incredible trip. We've had a lot of successful trips, and so many people are a part of that. Both, of our, both our team, so many members of our team, and then, of course, there's Travel Cell, and there's Traveler's Choice, and there, there's everything. There's In-Bal. everything who makes what we do happen. Inbal Hotel. The Inbal Hotel, everybody. But, but that moment, to end the trip that way... Boom. Thank God. Oh, I appreciate that. 
Thank you, Miriam L. Wallach. You're one of the reasons it was such a successful trip. Amazing things we were able to do. And uh, Kane Yerbu, we should do more and more and continue to bring everybody in this audience and throughout the entire world the feeling of Israel on a regular basis. And those journeys are certainly an amazing way to do so. My absolute pleasure. And as I've said before, Nachum, it is a pleasure to work this hard. I appreciate that. And enjoy Parsha's Pinchas yet again. Yep, times two. Miriam L. Wallach with us on a Friday morning broadcast at JM the AM. More coming up, including the weekly update next with Malcolm Holmline. Keep it at JM in the AM.
We call it the three weeks acapella format here at JM in the AM. I thank you for tuning in. A week from today is Rosh Chodesh Av. In fact, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is a week from today, Friday. A one-day Rosh Chodesh, so keep that in mind. Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas outside of Israel. Um, candle lighting time at 7.55 on this Erev Shabbos. 7.55 official candle lighting time on this Erev Shabbos. Big thank you to our friends at jewishworldreview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible live stream to all of their readers if you want to print out 4,000 articles about everything having to do with the Jewish world before Shabbos uh, you could do so go to jewishworldreview.com and check them out also big thank you to onlysimchas.com who continue to utilize our content to their incredible brand new news feed which has become a big hit throughout the world go to onlysimchas.com and check that out Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, thank you. It's good to be, have you back. I appreciate back that. You. Thank you very much. Regards from the uh, Executive Lounge at the Inbal Hotel. 
Thank you. Well, we There's did a show. My chair dedicated. Well, we did a show on the porch, and we're wondering why you weren't there. It would have been so much better if you would have been there. But all right, well, maybe next time, Bezrat Hashem. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, Mazal Tov. How was Atlanta, Georgia last night? Atlanta was uh, warm, but actually <laughs> very nice. And I have to thank uh, uh, Dotson National Organization. They had their national convention and gave me the Zolt Award uh, for this year. And um, they were really, they, they do such great work at the hospital and the organization itself. And uh, so it was really, it was, a, it was a great opportunity. Was it a humbling experience? Always. Also, hey, ma- hey, Mazel Tov going out. You know, Malcolm right now is at Champions Gate, the incredible Yeshiva University Leadership Conference down in Orlando, Florida. That's where he's speaking to us from. And uh, a Mazel Tov going out to Leora and Noam Joel, a mm-hmm. brand-new baby boy, which means, I guess, there'll be some type of a Shlom Zahar celebration tonight with Esther and President Richard Joel, I would assume. Well, as I asked him, uh, I was wondering what kind of herring he had for the kiddish. <laughs> <laughs> but it's their tenth grandchild, Kanara, and well, he made many more, and it's uh, it's really done an amazing job. And um, I, I have to say, I think it's an underappreciated institution for the amazing contribution it makes. And I have three interns from you in my office, and they are the most amazing young men. Plus, you get to speak to a YU graduate on a weekly basis. Uh, that's true. And uh, yes, the underappreciated uh, is a great word, not for me, but for the institution. A great, great word. And uh, one day, one day people will realize how incredible an institution it is, and some people already do, which is wonderful. All right, we have a race. We have a race, Malcolm, and there are two horses in the race, uh, Trump and Hillary. Three and a half months from now, actually a drop less than that, uh, one of them will be designated as the uh, president-elect. Uh, I mean, I'd love to get your impressions of the uh, you know conventions in general, uh, but let's try to do it from a standpoint of, uh, of Israel of uh, you know the Jewish world, so to speak. Uh, number one, one would have to assume that you and I and many others could predict today what the Jewish vote will look like number-wise in November. With that in mind, knowing that it's relatively predictable, so to speak, uh, will there be a big effect on certain states when it comes to the Jewish vote? In other words, if both candidates really know how the Jews collectively are going to vote, nonetheless, are they going to have to court the Jewish vote actively because of the races going on specifically in places like Florida, Ohio, etc.? And Pennsylvania, and even Colorado. Uh, I mean, there are diverse places where the Jewish vote is considered in play and very significant because the margins could be very small. Um, uh, everybody's predicting a landslide Jewish vote. I think it's it's too early to predict what the numbers will be and that the, the a lot of the speculation is really unproductive. But the, um, the fact, contrary to what I think most people anticipated, is that the, the, that there will be an effort to to win the Jewish vote, or if there is a Jewish vote, but many Jewish votes. Uh, and while we're a small percentage overall, and I think that our focus should be on congressional races where communities can make a bigger difference and where traditionally, you know, support has, has always come from, and we could see major shifts there in the Congress and Senate and House, um, that the uh, surprisingly coming out of this will be... a uh, 
at least some attention to the Jewish vote, which has not always been the case um, recently. Yeah, that's true. Isn't it amazing, though, just, you know, generally speaking, what the disfavorable or unfavorable rating of both candidates are at this point? It is incredible. They're both in the mid to high 60s. Hillary, believe it or not, according to yesterday's report, a higher unfavorable rating than Trump, which is so hard to believe. Well, let's see what it is after the convention, which, you know, gives people a bounce and then it tends to settle back. But it is is very disturbing. It's the first time, I think, that you had the two candidates both with higher negatives and positives. And the mood generally, but I hope uh, in the coming weeks we'll have a chance to discuss that, uh, the, the candidate so much as the, what is the political dynamic in the United States. And what is, is most disturbing, I think, as I told you before, um, that the issues, we have so many issues. Just in, I, I made, started making a list last night of just all the issues in 24 hours. And, and I already had about 15 key issues that are coming up or ongoing but have some development in the last day and and the, and people are not focused on it everybody is so focused not just because of the conventions but in general the media just want to do he said she said the the focusing on what scandal or potential scandal or response to scandals and they are not focused on incredible developments when china and russia announced joint military exercises in the south china sea soon when when you have uh, um, these uh, attacks in in Europe going on almost uh, endlessly, you know, with despite the fact that Europe is spending two hundred billion dollars on its defense and, uh, and half its military are are are, put, are deployed in, in their streets, and the a top Iranian commander visits the Syrian Israeli border, uh, Al Qaeda and Al Nusra split, so many things I, I, I didn't even begin to list that are happening and what worries me most is that people are not focused and a few months from now we're going to look back right but how how focused are the candidates and might i even add how focused is the current white house on the list that you created i think that the white house is focused on their agenda of issues uh, i think some of these issues are not uh, being accorded the attention they warrant or or need and the candidates themselves will, will, you know, will see what, what, how much they get into issues in the, in the coming weeks once they're past the you know, political stage of the conventions. From a Jewish standpoint, an Israel standpoint, and I'm sure you watch these speeches you know, with, with that in mind very often, anything glaringly missing from either convention or anything glaringly included, including flag burnings, by the way, and certain flag displays, at the, the conventions? Like, what, what are your impressions from a Jewish and Israel angle of the two gatherings? I just think it reinforced the, the concerns that people had before that we have noted about, uh, you know, shifting uh, attitudes and certainly within certain camps. Uh, the Sanders uh, supporters uh, seeing the, the, um, some of the reactions uh, Hillary, of course, mentioned Israel. Trump mentioned Israel. Uh, uh, others did. They didn't mention many other countries. The uh, burning of the flag was outside and was condemned by the uh, campaign, the, the, the Clinton campaign. Uh, her, her, her staff issued a statement on her behalf. But I think that uh, people who have told me who were there at, at both were concerned about 
uh, certainly at the Democratic Convention about this element and, and the need for us to do much more to both isolate the negative elements and to reach out to, to different constituencies to shore up the support. We what need everybody. What about the uh, display of the Palestinian flag inside the arena? What do you think of that? Uh, not surprising. Um, when it comes to Israel vis-a-vis this election, a couple of interesting things. Um, did Israel or or Netanyahu specifically have to go out of their way to show support publicly for a two-state solution because the GOP went ahead and did not include two states in their platform this time around? No, he has been saying it all along, and because there are elements uh, working to try and, and portray Israel as violating it with the, some of the housing announcements, by the way, most of which are in the, what we define as Yerushalayim, in, in Harchoma, in Gilo, etc. Uh, so, the state, think, so the State Department's criticism, you're saying, was unwarranted? I think that the, certainly the tone of it was unwarranted. You know, the criticism is automatic whenever there's a housing announcement, but I think a distinction should be made. You know, they, they said that one hilltop was, was recognized. Okay, they want to criticize it. But the, but to include all of the housing units, and many of these will not be developed for, for a long time, uh, but it has become a, a major uh, focal point of, in general. And I think that this was meant to just, it was a reaffirmation of a position the Prime Minister enunciated many times. For instance, we read about the um, 130 new units for Har Choma. I thought we were past the whole, you know, Har Choma being an illegal area state, you know what I'm saying? So there, there I raise this, obviously, and, and uh, try to draw the distinction that I said, if criticism at all is, is valid. Right. But the, um, uh, but this has been the standard policy. Yeah. This, the tone was much harsher. Right. Um, and the other thing was that um, there's a rumor... <laughs> or articles that are being written that 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 sound rumorous that the prime minister of Israel is per, would prefer if Donald Trump wins this election. Now, no, this not he has been very very careful. He has not expressed any preference, and uh, will, will will not. He he learned the lesson in the last elections when people accused him of being one sided or you know ha- having made. Uh, Innocent, uh, often mistakes in this regard, and uh, he has been scrupulous not to show it. By the way, in regard to the housing, you know, I haven't heard yet the criticism that Abbas uh, is talking about suing Britain yeah. over the Balfour Declaration. Yeah, well, when you talk about not recognizing, <clears throat> here, here is not only not recognizing Israel post-67, pre-67, 48, now he wants to go back to the Balfour Declaration declaring it illegal uh, and and suggesting that they want to go to the international court against Great Britain because, as for the audience, the, the Balfour Declaration uh, really became the international recognition right. of the legal okay. obligation to give effect to the right of the Jewish people to self-determination in their ancient homeland. And, and neither the Balfour Declaration nor the mandate created the historical rights of the Jewish people to the homeland. All they did is recognize the pre-existing rights of the Jewish people. And we never conceded those rights, not for thousands of years. But in 1922, it became part of the 
mandate for Palestine that was created by the League of Nations, that right. being the original Palestine, of meaning Israel, and uh, and for him now to go back, it explains why he will not accept the declaration of Jewish state. And yet, you don't hear the international community giving expression uh, to this at a time when Hamas announces that they're going to participate in the municipal elections that are coming up in in October. And not just that, they're confident they're going to win them. And the, and and there are a lot of people there who are confident uh, that they're going to win it. Uh, uh, this is an organization that this that they just uncovered that they're building six miles of tunnels every month. Six miles of tunnels. That doesn't mean into Israel, but it's preparatory to building tunnels into Israel. I know. You gave us the impression that Israel was able to prevent these in ways. No, this is on the other side. Ah, good point. But and it, it, they can't prevent them. They can try. They can right. detect them better. And you notice there have been numerous work accidents, shall we say, right, about um, uh, about it. But got, I got to go back to Balfour for a second. So Lord Balfour's declaration, I believe, was ninety-eight and a half years ago. So <laughs> what is the statute of limitations on this? I'd like to know. That's number one in the international court. And secondly, I understand why you're frustrated by the lack of outrage. Uh, it, it, essentially, if you're suing Great Britain over the Balfour Declaration, you are completely uh, ridding Israel of any right that it might have to any land or area uh, in that part of the world. Right? I mean, you're basically saying that, that Israel does not get an inch of anything. That's right. He's right. not recognizing. I want to make this clear to everybody. Me, uh, that was the point why I was raising it, and the point I'm making for those who who you know criticize Israel, and and you don't hear uh, the balance, and this fits into the UNESCO strategy, and why I keep raising it, and I know people may be frustrated because they don't get the significance, but here this really underscores what the strategy is and what the underlying political philosophy is. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is with us. We're talking about the uh, events of the week with the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Um, so what about, so you mentioned the tunnels and the, um, uh, the activity there on the border. So is, what is the relationship now between Netanyahu and CC? Is he going to cooperate in trying to uh, uh, destroy these tunnels and, um, and get the, the, the work on them stopped? If I want to just add one other thing that, that Abbas acknowledged for the first time publicly, he acknowledged that he turned down the peace offer in 2008 that would have given him an independent state, all of Gaza, much of the West Bank, you know, that the Omert deal. Right. And he said that he rejected it out of hand because Olmert had scandals and because he wasn't an expert on maps. And, but, but he acknowledged it and when all the you know, hoopla about who was responsible. Here you have Abbas himself, something others have acknowledged before, about CC. And I look at it, by the way, that the more cooperation with CC, the less likelihood that Israel has to go to war on that border. Absolutely. And it's critical cooperation, and it's expanding all the time. And uh, if you notice, the Prime Minister, uh, Netanyahu, welcomed again the CC efforts towards peace. He's trying to shift it, I think, from France to, to um, Egypt. Uh, and, and it's interesting that here is Israel trying to invoke the, the Arab countries to be part and parcel of the, 
uh, negotiations. And while we weren't on the air, there was a delegation led by a former general of, from Saudi Arabia, Eshki, to to Israel. But interesting, most interesting was that it was public, and he came with some businessmen. He's not an official of the government, and they, you know, some distanced themselves, others supported it. But the very fact that this was done and and is another sign. It's not. Uh, necessary of iconic shift, but it is a significant uh, uh, change uh, and reinforcement of this of some of the of the developments in the region. Uh, some of it's anti-Iran. We see Iran becoming more aggressive and against Saudi Arabia. Uh, there have been a lot of mutual threats uh, going on, uh, but I think he is um, he is certainly looking and and, and talking about CC in ways that he does not talk about the French initiative and, and uh, other efforts. Hmm. There was a secret meeting between Assad and Putin, and the meeting included discussion regarding Israel and the Golan Heights? Well, there were discussions. Uh, I think it had primarily to do with uh, uh, trying to win back Aleppo, and there have been very vicious bombing and fighting going on there. And uh, there's also been a lot of concern because there have been uh, shootings by uh, Syrian forces that have crossed into the Golan, and Israel, in fact, Netanyahu has been criticized for not responding strongly enough. They do send planes once in a while. They don't respond to each because, you know, the argument is that it's errant fire, it's mistaken, it's not intended to go there, but they're fighting not far away, and Israel has to send a strong message about uh, about what it will do to protect uh, its border, and this could be an attempt really to to test uh, the border and see how, how Israel will respond, what Israel's capability, as you saw with the drone that was flown over um, uh, over uh, the Golan uh, and over northern into northern Israel from Lebanon. And now we have new Russian uh, SU-24 planes. These are frontline bombers that are due to come. So Israel is being told you better send a strong message now. And another big development in the Golan that has been, oh, just over the last few days, is that al-Nusra broke with al-Qaeda, and they are the major presence uh, along much of the border. And uh, the head who founded it in 2012, I think, uh, Abu Mahmoud al-Jolani, for the first time ever showed his face on an Al Jazeera broadcast where he announced the split with al-Qaeda, which may be a way to head off uh, a Russian attack uh, related to to the attacks on on Aleppo, but also on them uh, in in the uh, near in and near the Golan, and uh, they changed their name to the Fatah al Sham, uh, which means the front for the conquering of of Syria, I think, um, huh. and the, and but but it it anticipates that something more uh, could be happening and that there could be a, a showdown uh, between them. Did uh, did Putin, in fact, encourage Assad to get back to the negotiating table with Israel and put the Golan Heights on the table? There is no no possibility, no realistic possibility of negotiations under these uh, circumstances. Uh, there, you know, there are so many concerns that uh, about what is happening there. You know, a top Iranian commander visited the Syrian-Israel border last week. Yeah, what's that about? Well, they've been, they have a presence there. Remember, the Iranian general got killed there. That, that this, it's, it's either a symbolic demonstration or it's reflective of the fact that they're focusing attention and, uh, that Iran, you know, they would love this as a way to unify 
the forces with Assad and f- turn the shift of the target to Israel away from from Assad. But y- you see the recruitment that al-Nusra and Islamic uh, State, uh, IS, have been doing amongst Palestinians in Lebanon, with a couple hundred of them having uh, recruited their competition between them uh, uh, on this. And ISIS, in the latest assessment, and you know that they caught 10,000 documents, and uh, it's bigger than WikiLeaks. In, a, in one of the recent battles this week, they, they found uh, terabytes of information, including the names of all the recruits, where they come from, etc. And the estimate now is that they have more than 30,000 fighters in Syria and Iraq, and they're recruiting at the rate of 500 to 1,000 a month. This was contrary to some of the recent assessments that it, that it uh, may have uh, uh, fallen, that the, the recruitment continues. Uh, it, the, the numbers are staggering. I mean, people, people, That's right. people, and, and people who panic about the bad guys. Think of <laughs> Europe. Think yeah. of what's happened in Europe. Right. All of the attacks, scores and scores of attacks, and they can't have a, they don't have a handle on how to deal with these uh, foreign fighters. Uh, Europe spends two hundred billion dollars a year on defense. There are four million military personnel and a million, more than a million police officers. Half of the military in most countries is assigned domestically. And they don't have a handle on the terrorism. Now, think when you have all of these people, and it takes tens and tens of thousands just to monitor them in, when they come back. And they can slip in through any border and cross with passports and uh, come back. And you know that these guys are trained killers many times, men and women. So, yeah. Europe, it's, it's, uh, this is a really... Um, uh, a serious issue, and they're not equipped to deal with the, the real challenge. All right, um, listeners are demanding, and they're right. I didn't ask you about Pence and Kane, and they're, I think we discussed Pence at one point. Uh, Kane, we didn't know about yet in terms of uh, Hillary's running mate. And by the way, I, I heard a report that he actually boycotted Netanyahu's speech in yeah. Washington. You think that's going to affect the uh, the campaign? Well, people don't vote on the basis of vice presidents, but it does. I mean, obviously becomes an issue. Um, uh, Pence's record was very strong. He was a governor lately, but as a member of Congress, he, he had a very strong record, very outspoken. Um, uh, generally, um, Kane was was supportive, but there are serious issues. One is that he did not. He was one of the eight senators who did not go to the Netanyahu speech, and he supported the Iran uh, legislation. But recently, he was one of 36 senators pushing for the additional money for the um, Iron Dome and other related uh, missile defense projects. Uh, so I think we'll see greater examination of his record, Pence's record, in the coming weeks. He boycotted the speech, Malcolm. I just said that. I know. <laughs> just trying to be dramatic because I'm sure that oh, people okay. people are going to be citing that constantly over the next three months. I can tell you that much. Um, and on this subject of the election one more time, so I read that um, it says... Once, I think this is from the Jerusalem Post, once older Jewish Democrats rallied around Israel as an issue, young ones always question the actions of Jerusalem. So that's saying, of course, that you know, the more support for Israel, you're going to get the older Democratic Jewish vote. But is there, in fact, a, a very delicate way of playing the young Jewish vote in the Democratic Party because they're not always satisfied with the way Jerusalem acts and the, you know, the media has tremendous influence on them in that regard? Well, I do think that... Uh, both parts are true that it is true that younger people tend to question or 
we always say that they're alienated, and yet as they get older, they come closer. But we do see a, a fundamental problem amongst uh, younger voters, especially uh, uh, and on the Democratic. From the as you go more left of this of the center, you get more of a problem. Uh, we don't uh, dismiss it; we take it very seriously because, for from in most uh, issues and. In a political race, for instance, if people are disengaged, not even hostile, but disengaged, then they neutralize themselves out. They just don't matter if you're not for or against. When it comes to Israel, we need everybody. And so we have many efforts ongoing, and I think that there's a problem, I admit to to part uh, early responsibility, about the focus on BDS. It's not BDS. It's not an economic thing. BDS is a tool. This is a fundamental drive to deny the legitimacy of Israel. There, it is at its core anti-Semitism, and that's what worries me, is that we're seeing more and more manifestations of anti-Semitism, especially on campus. There was a, a big spike, according to a report that came out um, this week, that from January to June, I think there were more than 100 uh, public and private colleges and universities with large undergraduate Jewish populations, with uh, 287 anti-Semitic incidents at 64 schools. That's an increase of, of over 40% from the same period in 2015. And we're seeing the increases, of course, in Europe and seeing it in, in elsewhere, but here in the United States uh, as well. So we really have to focus on it, and, and you know, this becomes cancerous and metastasizes in the population, and we've seen it amongst the Sanders uh, followers, including uh, Jews, and uh, we have to do a much better job of Jewish education. We have to be more creative. We can't be dismissive of people just because they disagree. We have to try to win them over and, and convince them by the facts and by the truth. Yeah, when people say it can't happen here, we're not always looking for duplicate episodes of other periods of history. Right. Uh, we are looking sometimes at you know things that are unique to this period of time, and what you just described is pretty scary. Um, and by the way, on the topic of uh, again, just with the with the campaign, so Hillary did mention during her speech that she'll be very strong in terms of keeping the Iran deal. Uh, you know, one that Iran must stick to. Uh, but you speak on a regular basis, and let me just make this point, I know we've said it before, but you speak on a regular basis with leaders in that region in the Middle East who are much more worried about the day after the Iran deal expires than they are about the Iran deal currently. They are very worried about the Iran deal currently because they know that Iran is working all the time on its missile defense system. It makes it doesn't try to hide it. This is a violation of Security Council resolutions, not of the, even if not of the JCPOA, and um, and that's why she she made the reference uh, about making sure that they adhere to it because yeah. they're violating it all the time. This is the fourth ballistic missile test. Thank God it exploded just shortly after the, its launch, uh, and and now the synergy with North Korea. And the, the, the discovery, supposedly, of another facility in North Korea, uh, the, 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 uh, the, their announcements that their centrifuges are going to be 15 times faster. So people are concerned about today, about the chance of, of breaking out once they get all that they wanted out of it, how they will use the money that they're getting. If you see all of this support for terrorism that we see everywhere now, and their activities in Syria, activities in South America, all over the Arab world and Africa. I mean, they're claiming victory in this. Now, on May 19th, there's going to be a presidential election, so you could see ratcheting up 
by the government in order to, quote, win the hardliners, as they say, but this will be both a local and a presidential election. May 19th, meaning 10 months from now? In, in uh, 2017, yeah. right. It's not a long time when you're talking about an election in a country of 80 million people. No, I get that. I get that. I'm just, I just want to Yeah, sure. but we're going to see a lot more. There was a video by Khamenei's office this week where it says that the U.S. is behind the attacks in, in Europe and elsewhere and saying because they backed ISIS and helped create ISIS, um, it, it is really quite remarkable. And we're seeing a lot of ethnic tension within uh, Iran itself, which could be exacerbated by the election campaigns. Uh, or and we could see a a, um, a crackdown, but uh, you know we've always they always warn us about the hardliners. The, the fact is that there are no non-hardliners in important positions. So true. Um, what happened with the uh, Turkish coup? Why didn't that coup work? Well, first of all, what didn't seem to be well planned, and you know there's always a lot of speculation of who was behind it, who aided it. There, they said the Gulenis. But clearly, uh, President Erdogan didn't just come up with a list of tens of thousands of people to, to remove from positions. You know, the generals taking over all the media yesterday, or much of the media, closing much of the media, uh, going after jurists, removing even Supreme Court justices. I mean, to do that within 24 hours of the coup uh, means that it was prepared before. That does not mean that he started the, this revolution Though there are people who have speculated that, and others who, who said that this became an excuse for him to carry out this crackdown. But Europeans and others have expressed really great concern in the United States government about uh, the implications of, of this uh, for both democracy and, and for greater movement towards Islamism, which you know, he is an Islamist, uh, in, in Turkey and what how this will relate. It, it, it was interesting when he was talking about blaming foreign governments. Many people thought he meant Israel because the guy who admitted as leading it, the Secretary of the Air Force, uh, uh, served as a military attaché in Israel for two years in the 90s. Interesting. So, but uh, that has dissipated greatly, and thank God the Jewish community in Turkey was not targeted, even though there were, you know, many people were killed. There was rioting in the streets going on for days after days. Um, uh, but it seems to be uh, quieted down. But he he will use this because his goal was to create this uh, really autocratic presidency, and uh, this may have given him an opportunity to do it. So is stronger the right word? Does he come out stronger after the coup attempt? I think yes, and he'll put his people into all these positions. The question is, can he find enough experienced people to put into these uh these thousands of, of uh, positions, or how many will be, you know, cleared and brought back? Uh, but it's certainly a warning, and and there's a nationwide crackdown, uh, and we'll have to see how it plays out in regard to their war with ongoing wars wars with the the Kurds, uh, and uh, especially about his relationship uh, with Russia. And can there be a normal relationship between Turkey and Israel with him in power? Can it ever get back to where it was with him in power? I, I don't know that it'll be back to where it was, but I do think you, it, there's a mutuality of interest, and he right now it's in his interest to have a better relationship with Israel. He wants to play a role in Gaza, and he's been allowed to send goods in, and so far the deal seems to be being implemented. The question is what he'll do about Hamas's presence yeah. 
in uh, in Istanbul. And uh, and if these new elections take place uh, in the PA, uh, that Hamas is uh, you know dedicated to um, running and winning, uh, when will these happen? Uh, this will happen in October. And the reason I ask it is because is it any? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how they plan their schedule, but it'd be interesting to see that all this change is going on as all the changes going on here in the United States. There, you'd have to assume that if Hamas is victorious or shows very well in those elections, there's going to be very little reaction from here because of our own transition that's going on. No, if, if God forbid Hamas wins in those elections, it, it, believe me, you'll hear the reverberations. And uh, No matter what's going on in our political scene? Yeah, because this, by the, I don't know, I think people are going to be so tired of this after three more months of it that uh but but one of the problems and concerns i have and i've expressed this pretty widely is that our own community the the media officials even members of congress everybody is so caught up in the election there are things being done in congress and they're getting no attention and people are, are not focused and we see the courts this week um stopped the seizure of a building in new york that was the from iran that was going to pay off many of the victims and um uh, the leaks by uh, the uh, the leak of the document about Iran's uh, rolled out uh, the additional document to the um, uh, JCPOA last year that was not known, and about the fact that you know uh, by the tenth year they were ready to be able to, to to put in the centrifuges, which will double their enrichment rate, if not much more, make it even faster. So even now we're seeing how these critical issues do not get the attention uh, uh, that they warrant. Uh, and look in Europe, you know, we're being overwhelmed by the number of attacks. Yesterday, a, a Jew was uh, stabbed again by three people. They were yelling anti-Semitic stuff. The, there's an attack in Europe every 84 hours, uh, not against Jews, but some sort of a terrorist uh, a- action. And uh, they're, they're the kind of mobilization that requires... The governments are not indifferent to it. They're obviously responsive to it, and they're trying. It's, it's a very difficult circumstance, given the infrastructure you have of, of Islamists and the migrations of, uh, of such large numbers uh, of people. And, uh, and then, on the other hand, the positive news, when Netanyahu's very successful trip to Africa, now there's talk that he will go to Nigeria before the end of the year for the meeting of the West African Economic Union. It's about 15 countries over 300 million people uh, that uh, I talked for a long time here on the show and talked about the openings in, in Africa, and we've, we work on it as well. This is a whole new frontier for Israel, great economic and other opportunities, and hopefully weaning them away uh, at the United Nations and other places from their anti-Israel position. And, that, you know, it's, in the 70s they broke the diplomatic relations uh, with Israel, which existed before, so hopefully... Their self-interest, and they recognize it. Malcolm is down at Champions Gate Yeshiva University Leadership Conference. You know you're going to be inundated with Trump Hillary questions over Shabbos. You know that. Well, I'm speaking here. We'll have to see. But on I, I, on I, the I, topic, not, I don't speak about Hillary and Trump. I'll talk about what's going on. But again, because of people's obsession with it, it's just self-destructive. Because we're ignoring all of the important developments. I mean, I'm page after page of things that are are just happening now that we're trying to focus on, and it's overwhelming. And then the only people want to talk about is the latest, you know, comments by the by the candidates or people around them. And it's very important who gets elected to be president. But at this point, you know, 
except for those states we mentioned, the Jewish vote will go where it goes, and it'll be pretty lopsided as it appears now. That can shift uh, quickly, and if any developments here in this country, everything will affect uh, the outcome. But we've got to focus on the issues. We've got to look at the things that are happening, and, and we'll have a long, long-term impact way after November. I get that. But still, September 26th is the first debate, and it's probably going to be very entertaining. Oh, it will be interesting. <laughs> I, I will admit that. You might even watch it, huh? I will. I can assure you that I will watch it. <laughs> Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos down there. Best regards to everybody at Champions Gate. I will. And I, again, thank you, Todd Dawson. Thank you. Evo. Have a good Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos. And Mazel Tov going out to... Um, the Joel family, Leora and Noam, a brand new baby boy, and anybody down at Champions Gate, have a look, Chaim, for the Shlom Zachar tonight. 24 minutes after 8 o'clock, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JMNAM. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas outside of Israel. Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas outside of Israel. <clears throat> for those of us who were in Israel last week, it'll be a repeat. Candle lighting at 7.55. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. 7.55 is the official candlelighting time on this Erev Shabbos. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Pinchas. Pashas Pinchas, according to the Chinuch, contains six positive mitzvos. And I really believe that it's not just coincidental that we read Pashas Pinchas in the three weeks. The time that we are remembering, especially the fact that we are devoid and without a Beis HaMikdash. And in Pashas Pinchas, you have the Korban Tamid, the daily offering which was brought every single day, including Shabbos Yom Tov. You have the um, mitzvos of inheritance, talking about inheriting in the land of Israel. You have uh, the mitzvah of shofar. And the parsha itself is to be uplifting to the Jewish people. The book of Bamidbar is called Sefer HaPikudim, the book of counting. Why? Because the book begins in the very beginning of Bamidbar with counting the Jewish people, and in this week's Parsha as well, in chapter Chavav 26, you have again the counting of Israel. But I'd like to point out something which is rather unique to this Parsha, and something which I think we don't focus and give enough attention to, and that is the following. We're familiar with counting the people as a whole. And so, the Torah tells us earlier that there were approximately 603,000. Now, at the beginning of the book of Bamidbar, we count the Jewish people by tribes, by Shvatim. And we're told how many there were within each tribe. In this week's parsha of Pinchas, in addition to counting the people by tribe, there's an additional 
ingredient which is found and that is by family you have for example starting with Ruve in Shani he's Bechor Yisrael this is Pasuk 5 in chapter 26 so the Torah tells us Bnei Ruvein Chanuch Mishpachas HaChanuchi the family of Chanuch Lefalu Mishpachas HaPalui and the Torah goes on this way within each of the tribes now what's the significance of counting the people in accordance with their families so Rashi tells you on this spot and I'll translate just to save time because the nations would humiliate the Jewish people and say come on do you really think you can trace your ancestry by their tribes come on don't you realize that since the Egyptians had control over the bodies of the Jewish people certainly they had control over their wives and therefore there's a lack of purity within the Jewish community and therefore says Rashi God literally placed his name with each of the families namely the He at the beginning of each family the letter He and the Yud at the end He and Yud these two letters spell the name of Yud K, which is one of God's name, and Rashi then quotes the pasuk from Tehillim, whereby David HaMelech says, "Shifte Ka, literally the tribes of God, Edus LeYisrael, that the tribes of, uh, come on, and this is found in Tehillim 122 pasuk four, literally the tribes." of God Eidos Yisrael, God himself is giving testimony for Israel that the tribes are in a state of purity now what's interesting and as a quick aside is that the name is reversed if it's the name of God which is Yud followed by a He why by each of the families is the He at the beginning and a yud at the end and Rav Galinsky Shlita in his Sefer the Higadita on Bamidbar quotes the Maskil Ledavid who says something very sharp the Gemara in Sota 17a teaches in the name of Rabbi Akiva that Ish V'isha man and woman Zachu if they have merited to live a proper life together, Shechina Beinehem, then the divine presence resides between them. Why? Because, continues Rabbi Akiva, God literally split his name between them. He took the Yud of his name and he put it in the word Ish, Aleph Yud Shin. He took the He of his name and he put it in the word Isha, Aleph Shin He. And if Lo Zachu, if man and woman do not live harmoniously together, then what is there? There's Esh 
is fire, the Aleph and the Shin, without the Yud from the Ish, and without the Hey of Isha, all you have is Ish, fire, then the fire consumes them. God removes Himself from them. However, if they are living harmoniously together, then you have the name of God between the hay of woman and the yud of man. Therefore, suggests the Maskila David very possibly that it's the woman's influence, the hay coming from the woman, which is so significant in giving the tone to the home and especially to the family unit that we're going to be speaking about. The Torah has the Jewish people counted by families. The Mishpachosam. Now listen very carefully. I'm going to quote from the Yushalmi in Moe Katan, chapter 3, Halacha 7. It speaks about Lo'aleinu. If someone dies within a family, so what does the Halacha teach us? That if a nolad zacha ha if a baby boy is born during that year, nisrapa kol ha the entire mishpacha is healed. What's the significance of what the Yushalmi is teaching? They're teaching us that just as there's a unit of Klal Yisrael, the Jewish people, there's a unit of a Shevet, of a tribe, there's also a unit of Mishpacha, a family. And each member of the family of the Mishpacha contributes. Every Mishpacha has its own character. There are some Mishpachos, some families that are more Torah-oriented. Others are more Chesed-oriented. Others are more Avoda, more spiritually Oriented, The idea that some families are more intellectual, some are more emotional. You have so many different types, but each family has its own character. And the essence of the character of the family is so significant, both in a positive way, as well as, unfortunately, in a negative way. In a positive way, we find the following. The Gemara tells us in the fourth chapter of Brachos that when Rabbi Gamliel was removed from office, who did they put in his stead? They put Rabbi Eloza ben Azariah. And the Gemara says, why? Because, number one, he was a Chacham, wise man. Number two, he was Asher, he was wealthy. And finally, who Asili Ezra? He was a tenth generation from Ezra. He came from a special family. He had an obligation to live up to that which the family stood for. Be careful. You don't want to betray. You don't want to bring a bad name to your family. There's a certain pride that should come from the family. You have it as well in a very subtle Rashi found in this week's parasha. After Moshe sees that the daughters of Tzlavchad get their request from Hashem in terms of getting inheritance, so Moshe asks for uh, that his children 
It's not explicit, but Rashi brings it that he wanted his children to succeed him. Hashem says, no, I've got a different idea. I want Yehoshua. But then, interestingly, if you look in chapter 27, Pasuk 21, so the, the Torah tells us that after Moshe puts his hands on Yehoshua, and he's designated him. So what happens? That he's to stand before Elozah HaKohen. And for the purpose of inquiring of him, right, through the Urim Etumim, part of, literally, the uniform of the Kohen Gadol. Now what is this? A uh, picture moment that the new leader is standing with the Kohen Gadol. That's not exactly how Rashi sees it. Rashi says the following. Interesting. Come on. You, Moshe, wanted that the successor should be somebody from your family. You didn't want the honor and the next leader to leave the family of Levi. Therefore, what am I doing, says Hashem, consoling Moshe somewhat, that even Yoshua, the new leader, is going to need Elazar, your family. The idea is that family does play such an important role in shaping character of each of the members of the family. And, interestingly, what do we find? Ouch! At the very end of the Gemara Sukkah. So, unfortunately, it speaks about, there were 24 families of Kahuna and Mishmaros and watches, and they went in a rotation, and it speaks about, unfortunately, how the Mishmar of Bilga was penalized. Why? Because of a woman, Miriam, who came from this um, Mishmar of Bilga, and the Talmud asked, oh my goodness, because of one person, we should penalize the um, the entire uh, watch, the entire community. So Abaye answered and said, listen carefully, Shusa Dianuka Vishuska. That which a child says in public, Odiavua Odiime, usually expresses the views of either the father or the mother. In other words, we are influenced by the home, by the family, either in a positive way or ouch the other way. And I have to tell you, this is halacha. This concept of, quote, charity begins at home is a Jewish concept. You find this in the Torah. The Torah teaches us in Parshas Re'ei of the hierarchy as to who gets first charity. And what does the Torah say? Should there be an impoverished one amongst you? Literally, from amongst your brothers, they come first, family. In one of your cities, that comes first. In your land, your land, the land of Israel comes first. And our rabbis tell us that it's not just literally, but as the prophet Yeshayahu says in chapter 58, Pasuk 7, 
umitsorcha lo tisalein, literally from your flesh, from your family, from not only your immediate family, but cousins, uncles, aunts. And oftentimes, let's be honest, it's more challenging to be benevolent to within the family than it is from without. The Torah is calling upon us to realize how significant and how important family is, and especially how I, I know too well as a rabbi, how too often there is discord within families. Some person says something, and instead of taking the lesson as found in the Gemara Chulen, and being bowling piv, and just be big and keep quiet and let it go, no, one person answers, and that's how, fam- that's how uh, uh, disputes you know, grow and develop, and unfortunately it can lead to very serious, dire consequences of great stress. Instead of families appreciating the unbelievable opportunity that they have today to have grandparents, something which was not a very common occurrence two generations ago for sure, it's an opportunity and a charge that the Torah is telling us that as it was in the days of when we began Klai Yisrael, so too we are to recognize the significance of. Let me close by just reminding everybody, the Gemara says this world is like a wedding. Think about it. Your wedding starts at whatever time, and it goes for several hours. It's called for even 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. And by the dessert, most of the people have gone home. But especially after that, in the last dance, when it comes very late, who's left? Look around. That's right, your family. Your family is most important. And that's what we are to remind ourselves from this week's parsha, the great significance of the Mishpacha. I just want to remind everybody that next Friday is Rosh Chodesh Av. You have to stop eating meat next Thursday night, uh, approximately with Shkia, which is about 8.08, and I hope we won't have to, but if necessary, we'll do the laws of the nine days next Friday. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Friday morning broadcast, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. 13 minutes before 9 o'clock. Naomi Nachman. Table for two coming up at 9. 
Kedem presentation of our Arab Shabbos music mix coming up at 10. Make sure to be tuned in for that. It is amazing. Arab Shabbos music mix prepared by Mark Zamek. It is amazing. It really is an amazing opportunity to hear Arab Shabbos a cappella selections all through the day. Um, Naomi will uh, feature Jay Booksbaum and Gabriel Geller from Royal Wines with a wine and cheese pairing with Bridget Mizrahi of Natural and Kosher Cheese as they sponsor Table for Two that's going to be an encore presentation starting at 9 o'clock on the stream at jmnam.org so make sure to be tuned in for that tomorrow night Saturday Night Siegel with Avrami uh, will feature um, great music Acapella style and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler in the Torah portion of the week. That happens tomorrow night, beginning at uh, nine o'clock with Saturday Night Siegel, or once Shabbos ends with Saturday Night Siegel. Catch that all on the stream at jmnam.org and on the NSN app. Matis hosts JM Sunday. This coming Sunday between seven and nine a.m. We're back Monday morning here at JM in the AM. Candle lighting at 7.55. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. want to wish a mazel tov to uh, Shmuley Wallerstein, his ufruf is this Shabbos. Mazel tov Shmuley Wallerstein from all of us here at JMNA. Mazel tov to Hanalea and Nachum Tepper. They have a brand new baby boy out in Flatbush. Mazel tov to them from all of us here at JMNAM. Yeah. We have some good news here in our three weeks format, don't we? We certainly do. If you missed any of our broadcasts from Israel, as we mentioned earlier, when Mary Mel Wallach was with me on the air, a lot of great moments from the uh, Israel trip, a lot of great moments. Check out the interview we did with Racheli Frankel last Sunday, <coughs> which aired during Monday's show. Check out the uh, interview with Natan Sharansky during Tuesday's show and the second half of Tuesday's show from the airport with Nefesh Benefesh. A lot of great things happened that week. Check out the archive section of jmam.org and on the NSN app, and you can listen to it all. That's for sure. Um, more coming up here at JM in the AM from our acapella selections. Let's try this one. Mike Boxer and Bill Vovey at JM in the AM. Head now. 
up another amazing week here three weeks format Friday morning Erev Shabbos candle lighting at 755 on this Erev Shabbos a lot of synagogues begin earlier make sure you know when things start where you are 
Well, Ben, Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Av is a week from today. Menachem Av starts on Friday, a week from today. Check it out. Erev Shabbos, Friday morning. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 
Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Wraps up another great week for us here at JM and the M. Uh, Naomi Nachman is next. Table for two, an amazing program coming up with Jay Booksbaum and company from Royal Wine joining her. That's going to be next at jmtheam.org and on the NSN app. Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix follows after that, all the way until candle lighting time. Then our amazing weekend schedule, and of course we're back here Monday morning to continue our three weeks format at JM in the AM. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend, till uh, Monday, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.